Hey, welcome once again. This is Elle at Iron Dove. Dialogue is the key to reform. Access is the key to dialogue. At Iron Dove, you can find both. Come on down, talk it up, and let's see what we can figure out. Today I want to talk about Haiti, the poorest country in the Western Hemisphere. 80% of the population lives in abject poverty. 80%. Haiti is located a very short distance off the coast of the United States. Their history is deeply connected with ours. Christopher Columbus discovered Hispaniola in 1492. Within 25 years, the Spanish had almost completely annihilated the population of indigenous people known as Taino, referred to by the Spaniards as Indios or Indians. These inhabitants were immediately declared Spanish subjects, and there began the story of Haiti. By 1517, life for the Taino people had become so unbearable that in a letter to King Ferdinand, Pedro de Cordoba wrote, and I quote, As a result of the sufferings and hard labor they endured, the Indians chose and have chosen suicide. Occasionally, a hundred have committed mass suicide. The women exhausted by labor have shunned conception and childbirth. Many, when pregnant, have taken something to abort and have aborted. Others, after delivery, have killed their children with their own hands so as not to leave them in such oppressive slavery. The population has been estimated by scholars to have been approximately 16 million Taino. By 1550, only a handful, perhaps 150, indigenous people remained on the island. Forced labor, abuse, disease, mistreatment, malnourishment, all added to their demise. In order to farm the land, slaves were imported from various parts of Africa. In the late 1580s, Sir Francis Drake of England led one of the most famous forays into the Santa Domingo and uh, Hispaniola Islands. Sir Francis Drake was unable to take control of the islands, but he was successful in breaking up the, the stranglehold that Spain had on these Caribbean islands. Once that was done... That paved the way for the French. The French came in, and uh, King Louis the Fourteenth sent emissaries to establish the first permanent settlement around 1659. And uh, in 1664, the French, French West Indies Company was established for the purpose of commerce between the Caribbean islands and France. There was a lot of trade going on, and the trade was very important. They were getting coffee and sugar cane and all kinds of, all kinds of things that they needed. And, um, of course, this was at the expense of the slaves. So, in the early 1790s, violent conflicts between the white colonists and the black slaves were common. And the 
slaves outnumbering the white colonists by a very large margin eventually rose up in revolution and were able to topple the colony. On January 1st, 1804, Haiti proclaimed its independence. And the most remarkable thing about this is that it may be the only successful slave revolution that ever took place in the world. Unfortunately, even though Haiti implored the administration of Thomas Jefferson for recognition and aid, he refused saying that close relations worried him. He was afraid that uh, free black traders would come to the U.S., into the southern states, and encourage the slaves to rise up. And so the southern plantations would be in peril, and, uh, and so he refused to recognize them. He, he refused to recognize their independence. And he was followed by Presidents Madison and Monroe, who also refused to recognize Haiti. It wasn't until Abraham Lincoln in 1862 acknowledged Haiti's independence. So it's been a difficult little bit of story for Haiti in terms of their relationship with the United States. And then it continues further with the United States sending Marines into Haiti. The United States occupied Haiti from 1915 to 1934. And President Woodrow Wilson and also President Roosevelt had all kinds of difficult military issues with the situation. The United States administration had been criticized for excluding Haitians from positions of authority and allowing them to really try to build a real government. They had veto power over all government decisions, and when they finally did disengage, the... Haitian government was a shambles, and it continues to be pretty much a shambles. So the bottom line is more than half the country lives on less than a dollar a day, 80% in abject poverty. Abject poverty means we're starving to death. 80% of the population of Haiti are Roman Catholics. 80%. It's interesting to me because 80% are Roman Catholics, so where is the Catholic Church? Where are they when they're supposed to be helping? Some of the most wealthy countries in the world seem to look around in way too opportunistic ways about how they can take advantage of other developing countries. And it's really disappointing for me to read some of the things about Haiti and the conditions in Haiti. Sorry, the Haitian rice market um, was a very strong, thriving market until U.S. imports flooded their markets with cheap rice. And so the local farmers could no longer afford to farm their own rice crops and they started to go bankrupt and their farms were failing and they sunk into poverty and they can't cultivate rice any longer. 
And it's so disappointing. The United States does not need to export rice to a country that has 80% unemployment. If they can cultivate their own rice crops and sell their own rice crops to their own people, why would we allow this to happen? The World Bank insists that, that they'll only give loans if they, if they receive these exports from the United States. These are bullying tactics. You read some of this stuff, and as an intelligent person, it's so obvious what's going on, and it's so inappropriate. And it's disappointing to me that this kind of thing goes on. And we're so quick to say the government as if we don't belong to that class of people, but we do. We do. We are the government. And this year in 2006, I really hope that people will take their responsibility to vote and be involved in the political process very, very seriously. It's not only a privilege to be able to vote, but it is an obligation. And I almost think that it would behoove the public to instate some sort of attacks on people who don't vote because they're not fulfilling their civil obligation. And even if that means that there's a column that says none of the above, so that in itself is a message as well. But we as citizens of one of the richest countries in the world need to take our responsibility very, very seriously and, uh, and not, not think about not in my backyard, not think about dumping things in other countries because we don't want it in our backyard, that kind of thing. We'll flood the Haitian market with, with cheap rice from Miami, but we won't accept their refugees when they're starving to death. That doesn't seem right. Now, there's a lot involved in these, in these situations, no doubt, but developing countries need help. And the help they need is in, is in forgiving loans. You know, <laughs> there's another interesting thing I read about this, this, this situation in Haiti. When they rose up and took back their homeland from the French, the French said, all right, you can have your home back, but you have to pay, pay us reparations because these wealthy landowners now lost all their land and you have to pay us. So they paid them $90 million or something, which in today's dollar would be the equivalent of $20 billion, something like that. And they've been paying these debts back for, for years and hundreds of years. <laughs> it's, it's crazy, really. Um, so they, they, they've been working, working, working to pay these debts back, and they're basically paying back for land that was already theirs. It, it's, it boggles the mind, really. It boggles the mind. How is that appropriate or fair in a, in a, in a just society to take somebody's land murder their ancestors, enslave those who they didn't kill, and then make them pay to get their property back. I, I, it's strong-arm tactics. It's really terrible. It's really terrible. I, I think, that, um, I think that, that France perhaps should be paying them reparations. You know, it's all too complicated. It really is. But in, in, in the end, would it kill us to pay it forward a little? I don't think so. 
I don't think so at all. Let me know what you think. Come on down. Chalk it up. And uh, let's see what we can figure out. Till tomorrow, this is Ellen Iron Dove signing out.